The owners are teetering on bankruptcy. Their theaters are empty. Even in places where movie theaters were allowed to reopen, very few people showed up. Entertainment first releasing on the big screen may never be the same. MGM says no time to die. The latest James Bond movie, the final with Daniel Craig, will not release this month. It's the 25th 007 ever made. MGM says it's not for sale after speculation it would be sold for streaming release, like on Apple TV. They've decided to wait and release it next year on the big screen. Quote, to preserve the theatrical experience for moviegoers. The original actor for James Bond, Sean Connery, died at the age of 90 a week ago. I recall as a young boy seeing Dr. No and from Russia with love. I'm trying to take your mind off the election. One Christian friend says, make a short list. Start reading good books. Keep Jesus first. Welcome to Haven Today. Here it is. Can you believe it? Friday. I'm Charles Morris sharing the great story that's all about Jesus. And we're in a series called Be Thou My Vision. And our title is our prayer this week. In times like these, we need to see Christ is still on his throne. We need to see it all the more. He's there. He's still in charge. On our Tuesday program, we met up with Christian scholar Dr. Oz Guinness. The response was overwhelming. So I wanted us to go back to an interview we did with him in 2016 at the election then. I want you to hear him speak about the decline of Judeo-Christian values in Western culture and why this has happened. And the challenge is particularly acute in America, because in this country, Christians are numerically a majority, but culturally, they're very weak. And the simple answer is that they're weak because they're worldly. In other words, shaped more by American culture and the modern world than they are by the gospel. Dr. Oz Guinness will be back with us in just a moment to help us turn our eyes away from a troubled world and turn them to Jesus. It's a challenge we all need to hear today. And after the program, I want to encourage you to support this ministry by making a gift. It's listeners like you who have sent both small and large gifts through the years that have kept us broadcasting the great story since 1934. And as our thanks for your support, I'll send you the entire first season of The Chosen, a unique TV show that will turn your eyes to Jesus and I think renew your hope in him. Better than a movie, each episode lets you live in the first century to see how everyday people like you and me were transformed when they met Jesus. So call us after the program, and the number to call is 800-654-2836, 800-65-HAVEN, or go to our website. You can make your gift there, haventoday.org haventoday.org. And I know also that so many of you need someone to pray with. So we'd love to talk with you and pray with you. So after the program, you can call us or you can click on our prayer banner at haventoday.org and send us your prayer request. And if you'd like something to help you pray for your nation, wherever you live, ask about the 30 ways to pray for those in authority. The prayer card and we have that for your gift of any amount. Let's get started now with Mercy Me. Mercy Me. 
Come thou fount of every blessing Tune my heart to sing thy grace Streams of mercy never ceasing Call for songs of loudest praise Teach me some melody sonnet Sung by flaming tongues above Praise the mountain fixed upon it Mount of thy redeeming love
That's a hymn I grew up with as a child. I hope you've heard it before. Come Thou Fount by Mercy Me. Opening this haven today, and I'm Charles Morris. I want us to go back in these next few minutes to a discussion that I had with Dr. Oz Guinness on Election Day four years ago in 2016. Oz received his doctorate at Oxford University in England, but he's now lived in the United States for more than 30 years. And a little side note, he studied under the late Francis Schaeffer at Labrie in Switzerland. I asked Oz why we were seeing Judeo-Christian values waning here in the United States and Canada, and how this is shaping the church today. Well, I think we're at a very key moment. I call it an Augustinian moment in the sense that St. Augustine had the privilege and responsibility of living after 800 years of Roman dominance as it was falling. And in the same way, we are living in the generation that is seeing first the decline of the West, secondly, the decline of the American Republic for very different reasons, and thirdly, an enormous challenge to the Western Church, because the Church of Jesus is exploding around the world globally, especially in the South but not doing well anywhere in the advanced modern world, in other words, the West. And the challenge is particularly acute in America, because in this country, Christians are numerically a majority, but culturally, they're very weak. And the simple answer is that they're weak because they're worldly. In other words, shaped more by American culture in the modern world than they are by the gospel. And so it's a tremendous challenge. Can we recover? We need a Reformation revival. We're on the verge of the 500th anniversary of the Reformation. And if ever we needed Reformation revival again is today. And the question is, can the church recover the integrity and effectiveness of faith in a way that can prevail over the challenge of the modern world? Mm. I can't help but wonder what steps do modern day Christians take? What kind of a heart change do we need for such a Reformation to take place? And Haas, What do you mean when you say Christians in the West are worldly? Well, the corruptions of the church before the Reformation are very, very well known in all sorts of levels. And I think we need to see today the challenge of modern worldliness doesn't come principally from ideas. We face a lot of hostile ideas. You mentioned relativism. You can look at postmodernism, secularism, a whole number of ideas. But whenever a word has ISM at the end of it, like secularism, relativism, it's a set of ideas. And you can change a person's thinking so that one minute they're atheist, and then five minutes later they're a Jew or a Christian or a Mormon or whatever. In other words, it's easy to change ideas and relatively easy to resist ideas. But the modern corruptions of the church don't come from that. They come from the worldliness of our caving in to the distortions and the seductions of advanced modernity. And my latest book is on that and has a chapter on some of the specific things where we have caved in. So the church in America, as I said, is numerically strong but culturally weak. We've caved in to the distortions of the modern world. And I would argue, as I've done in several books, the modern world has done more damage to the faith than all the persecutors of religion put together. And yet many Christians aren't even aware of it. But to resist it, you have to recognize it. And they're often blind to it or deaf to it. So... What is the answer? What is the individual Christian who's listening right now, who wants to see a change, what do we do? That sounds the way you put it, rather simple and and almost pietistic. But across the board, we've got to ask ourselves, what did Jesus, our Lord, who gave us 
his authority in the scriptures, what did he call us to individually with our individual callings and our families and our churches, but also communally and also our influence out in the world as salt and light. So we've got to really read the scriptures with great attention and say, Lord, we cannot be this weak if we're living the full gospel. So where is it we've lost or gone astray from what you've called us to? And then radically go back and reform our lives in the light of the challenge of the scripture. And I give various examples in the book. For example, just take one. Many Christians, and I'm sad to say many reformed Christians, are more secular than supernatural in their worldview. And you take our Lord in the Gospels, the church in the book of the Acts, or the early church right down to the 5th century, how they discerned in the power of the Spirit, delivered evil spirits in the power of the Spirit, healed, all sorts of things. And they were led by the Spirit of God. You look at it, after the 5th century, that disappears in various ways. In the Catholic centuries, a huge amount of corruption surrounding saints and places where they're supposed to be healing. And then came the Reformation and threw all the corruptions out, baby, bathwater and all. And then came the Enlightenment. And then came the modern world, which is not so much against God, but says we just simply don't need God. Put them all together. And many modern Christians are atheists, unawares. They're what Max Weber calls tone deaf, or as Peter Berger says, they live in a, a world without windows. In other words, that the robust supernatural worldview of the Old and New Testaments is not the living reality of many Western Christians. Now, you can find it in Africa or Asia, where these things are alive and well, but Western Christians are actually often indistinguishable from atheists operationally. You're listening to Haven Today, and I'm Charles Morris. That was Dr. Oz Guinness, a scholar and social theorist who shared some powerful words with us back in 2016. Did you listen closely to what he said? Christians today in the West live like atheists. That doesn't mean Christians in the West deny the Lord or even reject his existence like atheists do. What he means is that functionally, we live as if the Lord isn't real or is not invested in our world. We've seen it in full color over the past few days and during this year's election cycle, wouldn't you say? Christians running around in a dither, a panic, tying all their hopes to the outcome of an election. We've all heard the saying that there are no atheists in foxholes, and the same principle has been true for Christians. We've spent almost a year debating and worrying, but not praying. The most praying I've seen from public Christians has been in the past week. We pray in a crisis, or when we feel like we're in a crisis. Please, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying the prayers in the last week were illegitimate or even wrong. I'm just pointing out how right Os Guinness was. We in the West live functionally like atheists, and nothing brings that out more than a tense election week. It might make you angry to hear that. I'll admit I don't like hearing that about myself either. We all want to envision ourselves as faithful, fruitful believers. But part of being faithful and fruitful is being willing to admit we're failures. We have to be able to sing along with the old hymn, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love, because it's true. It's true for me, and it really is true for you. No getting around it. We're messed up people. We misplace our faith and our hope. We trust in earthly princes. We trust in presidents or prime ministers. We put too much trust in ourselves, And for all of that, 
We need some help. But there's good news. When we lift our eyes up, where does our help come from? Well, the Bible tells us it comes from the Lord. In the midst of a contentious season, how does the Lord help us? Let's remind ourselves from one of the most famous psalms. Just put your life and your heart on pause for a moment and reflect with me the words that we hear from Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice. The earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. I'm reading to you out of Psalm 46, and it just keeps on going. Here's verse 8. Come and see what the Lord has done. The desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. He says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Psalm 46. This is a haven today called Be Thou My Vision. We need the Lord's help if we're going to be Christians that don't live like atheists. And Psalm 46 shows us how the Lord helps. First, he's ever present. Don't skip over that. He's your help. But the psalmist goes even further. He is our ever-present help. Not a moment goes by that the Lord is not deeply invested in your life. He's always at hand, always present. So just like the book of Hebrews tells us, we can approach his throne to find grace in our times of need because he's ever-present. A little further on in verse 7, the psalmist repeats this, but with a more personal twist. The Lord is with us, and because he's with us, he will help us in our time of need. But there's another way he helps. The Lord rules over the chaos. The mountains might shake. Turkey had an earthquake in the last few days. The seas might roar. Hurricanes have been rampant this year. But the Lord rules over them all. He can make wars cease. He can stop chaos in its tracks. We find our help in him because only he is the sovereign king of the world. Our circumstances are so often outside of our control, but we have help in the Lord. The Lord is not only ever-present, he's ever-present and he's able to help. And that's our hope. It goes one step further. There's a third way this psalm reminds us that the Lord is our help. He will be exalted over the earth. We love the first half of this verse, don't we? Be still and know that I am the Lord. It's a call to stop your panicking. It's a call to find your rest. But we sometimes forget to read why. I will be exalted. That's just another way of saying what we say at Haven today every day. It's all about Jesus. All for his honor. All for his glory. How else do we know he's ever present? Unless he's made himself known. How else do we know he's sovereign over the chaos unless he's confronted it head on? 
and come out victorious on the other side. This is our Christ, Emmanuel, God with us, who went through the darkness of sin and death, but rose to new life and victory for us. This is our Jesus, who's right now exalted, and he's ruling the world. This is our help. By faith in his name, we're free from our bondage to this world and its chaos. We can trust, we can rest, and we can live our lives for him. With our mouths and with our deeds, we can proclaim to the world, it's all about Jesus.
the name of our program. It's the name of the hymn we just heard, Be Thou My Vision by Norton Hall, here on A Haven Today, and a program called Be Thou My Vision. So many thanks I have that we could hear from Dr. Roz Guinness again. He's a deep thinker. He's a passionate speaker. But more than these things, what I like most about him is his heart for Jesus and his desire to see lives changed by him. I think that's why I also like so much the TV series called The Chosen. You see, lost lives transformed by the power of Jesus before your very eyes. And that's why I want to send you this double DVD set with all eight episodes of the first season of The Chosen to help you get a deeper appreciation of how the gospel truly transforms lives. So, for your gift to this listener-supported ministry, I want to send you Season 1 of The Chosen. You just have to call us right now. And the number to call is 800-654-2836. That's 800-65-HAVEN. Or go watch some clips from the series when you visit our website. And after you've done that, you can make your gift at haventoday.org. haventoday.org. And let me say that we still need to be praying for our leaders and governments all the more. So we still have 30 ways to pray for people in authority. It's a prayer card we have for your gift of any amount, and you can ask about it and ask for it when you call us or when you visit us online. And then when you're there or when you call, let us know how we can be praying for you. I'm Charles Morris. Thanks for joining me. Won't you come back again next time? And again, we'll be sharing together the great story. It's all about Jesus here on Haven Today. Here for your encouragement and your walk with God, this is David Wolin with Haven Ministries inviting you to anchor your day in God's Word. How much is a promise worth to you? I suppose it partly depends on how big the promise is who it's coming from, and how many times promises have been broken in your life. You know, increasingly, our world looks at Christianity with that kind of skepticism and distrust. But, you know, I think if someone gives the Bible an honest read, even the worst of cynics would at least wish God's promises could be true. That death isn't the end. That forgiveness, grace, love, eternity are all possible through a loving Savior, And those promises are true. God's Word tells us that no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. You can get started with Anchor Devotional at getanchor.com.